Hey yo, let me holler at you for a minute. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? If you have, let me tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me break it down for you. Anchor has tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, come here, it's free. Don't let nobody know I told you that. So, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome everybody, I'm Ron G, and this is Wrestling With My Thoughts, a WWMT Entertainment original, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to the show. No matter when you are or where you are, the fact is you're listening, and I appreciate that support. So go on ahead and sit back, relax, and listen as I wrestle with my thoughts. everybody welcome to another exciting episode of the wrestling with my thoughts podcast i know it's been just about a month since i put out a new episode so forgive me for that but some personal things going on in my life and now i need to adjust my microphone because i'm loud as hell um (laughs) but um yeah i just had some personal things going on and um recording was not a part of the uh of the solution for those problems at that time. So I apologize for the lack of content. Um, I know I've been very bad about that here in the last few months, but it will get better. Tonight, we are joined by a special guest. Uh, Melinda is joining us tonight, and we're going to be talking about um, trauma as from childhood as it goes into adulthood and how it affects us as individuals and from the decisions we make to the, the things we like or enjoy or whatever, and also trauma and adulthood. Uh, Melinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are Thanks you? For being, I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. All right. Yeah, I had a lazy Saturday. Didn't do too much. I uh, was supposed to do a couple of things, and uh, neither one of them worked out. Um, rain for one, and then darkness with rain for another one uh so i just decided to stay my rear end at home so and then i was treated that sounds to a like gallon. a typical day for me <laughs> and then i was treated to a uh to a sh- another shouting match from downstairs neighbors so that was beautiful to hear Fine. So, but uh why don't you take just a couple of minutes or whatever um just introduce yourself to everybody and um you know we'll pick okay. up from there All right. I'm Melinda. Um, I'm 46 and I went to high school with you. Um, We graduated together. Huh? I said Creekside. Creekside. Oh, yeah. Creekside. Yeah, I I didn't. I didn't catch that. It's supposed to be Knowles. Yeah. 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 I never I never liked that either. Um, So but yeah, um, since high school, uh, you know, I've I got married out of high school, like most of us did, 
uh, didn't work out. And, uh, you know, so now I'm just uh, reached that age where it's like I'm done. So I'm living my best life now. There is a uh, there's a book that I've downloaded from Audible that I plan on listening to. And I believe, as a matter of fact, I don't want to say the name of the book wrong. So I'm going to go in Audible real quick and check that out. But I definitely want to listen to it because I could use this advice. Uh, come on now. Now nothing wants to come up. Oh, that's nice. Now nothing wants to come up. <laughs> of course. That's my luck. But that's I think the way it always happens. <laughs> I think it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, uh, yes, I yeah. need that. Yeah, I definitely need that <laughs> in my life because I've spent way too much of my life caring what other people think about me and or my decisions. Um, so, um, but, but yeah, I just wanted to um, let everybody know Melinda reached out to me a while back and let me know that she would be interested in being on the show at some point in the future. Um, we just wanted to have a conversation amongst ourselves first because, um, quite frankly, we haven't spoken in about 30-something years. Well, not quite that long, but um, yeah. close to 30 years, I'll say that. Um, and we knew, and, and honestly, I think you'll agree with this, we, we knew of each other in high school, but we really didn't run in the same circles. So we no. really didn't know each other in high school. Um, no. And I found that to be true with a lot of people since yeah, we graduated. Well, that's because I was never part of a clique. You know, I never had like a group. I just had friends that belonged to all the groups, you know, like two or three friends from each clique I was friends with. So I can't, I, ne I was never really in a clique or in a group. Yeah, and that's what I told people. Like I, I wasn't either. Um, I was just ostracized because I was a white kid that hung out with black kids. Yeah. Um, I, and, and I don't, well, I know you're not aware of it, but like I've told people I received now, whether they were legitimate or not, I don't know, but I've received death threats. I've received threats of people burning crosses in my front yard, all that no, stuff. See, I was never aware of that because I never looked at anything like that. I didn't think that way. So, no. and you know, part of, you know, one of the human flaws is we always assume other people think the way we do. You know, and I, I, since I didn't think anything of it, I, I would have never thought that anyone would have ever been mean. Yeah, I mean, well, I accepted I, you. You know what I mean? You were just Ronald. Like, you know what I mean? That was <laughs> I, I never I mean, yeah, I, I knew that, you, you know, you, you did like listening to rap music or, you know, you might have dressed like every, uh, you know, everyone was dressing at that time. You didn't wear the cowboy boots and the cowboy hats and, God, you know, God. um. And the girls that you were interested in were <laughs> were not white. Um, well, see, however, I'm, I'm going to step in right there because that's not. I didn't know you like that though. I, I know, I know, and and I'm not I'm not like stepping on your toes about it or anything. Yeah. But it's funny because someone that we mutually know that I expressed that to, um, they're like, "Oh, I I didn't think you like white girls." I never <laughs> like, did either. And yeah, I think if like, you talk to people in high school, they would think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. But like, I was just like, I like women. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> however, high school is four years. So let's mm -hmm. say in, in those four years for two of those years, I had a relationship and it happened to be a black man. Then of course, oh. Oh, a black boy at the time, everyone would assume 
oh, she dates black boys. Although that might not be the case. It was just I happened to be into that one guy for two years. Since high school is such a small amount of time, you don't really get to to know someone. You just assume, right. assume, assume. Yeah. You know. It's, it's, I, I, I've told a lot of people that um, I've talked to since high school that I didn't like high school. Like my high school time was, I enjoyed hanging out with my friends and all of that, but school has kind of, with the exception of history and science, school has always <laughs> bored me. That's the two things I hate the most and math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and but, me and math yeah. don't get along well at all. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I tell people all the time. You know, some folks ask, like, would you go back and relive? Nope, not me. Because there was so much bullshit going on. And that's another thing about the show. Feel free to say what you want to say. Um, mm-hmm. I don't hold okay. sort of filters on my show. Um, yeah, okay. But yeah, all, so much bullshit went on that I wouldn't want to subject myself to that again. And then what we're about to get into. But you could go back and do it different, though. I could, but I wouldn't want to. because. Yeah, but with the confidence you have now and knowing what you know now and knowing that they're just flat out ignorant. You could be like, oh, well, yeah. whatever. Well, see, it might, it wouldn't like, affect you the same. Like, like we're, we're talking about the trauma. Now, yeah. you know, when you're in your formative years, of course, it affects you. You know, and of course, when you're a teenager, everything is just so, right. you know, uh, it's the yeah. end of the world, you know. But yeah. now that we're adults and we can look back, you know, if someone said something to me now, it would definitely not bother me like it would have in high school. And that That is something... That as you and I talked about a little while ago, that's something that I'm actively working on. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really know how to explain it to people that have that attitude of not caring what people think and they're going to do what they want to do, do what makes them happy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's not so much that I, I cared about being judged. It was, it's just that like, I don't want to disappoint anyone. Um, yeah. That comes from from that stems from from childhood wanting certain types of acceptance and validation. I know all of that now. Um, yeah. I didn't know it then, but so I'm working on that. And I had an incident come up a few days ago where I was able to stand my ground on something. I didn't back down on my point. I wasn't a jackass to the other person, but I just didn't back down off of my point. I stood my ground, and I and whether. The other person got it or not, I made my point. And um, that to me, and I've done that a few times, but that to me was like, you know, some people may laugh, but for me, that's- No, that's progress. That's progress. Yeah. So- No, I get that. I get that because you don't, you know, and I don't really think that it's a fear of being judged, but I mean, it sounds like you were bullied. There's a little bit different than someone judging you and then someone actively going after you for being you, you know, yeah. th- there's a, there's a difference. Yeah. So, and that, and that, you know. definitely, that definitely happened in high school. Like I tell people all the time, I didn't really understand what racism looked like. You know, I, I'd learned all the things I'd learned, but I didn't really know what it looked like and how it felt um, mm-hmm. until I moved out of Atlanta. When we yeah. moved out of Atlanta in 1990 and we moved to Palmetto First and foremost, that was culture shock for me. Yeah, oh, um, definitely. I, yeah, I grew up, uh, the house I spent most of my, my life in as a child had a Marta bus stop in the front yard. 
So I was used to hearing the bus all times of night. And I live right down the street or yeah, right down the street from um, Starlight Drive-In. So yeah. I was always used to some type of commotion or, or something. We moved to Palmetto when it's like, <laughs> first, when I first, when I moved to Palmetto in 90, there was like nothing there. And it everything was, that was there closes at like five. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a one stoplight town, literally. Yeah. So I did, well, I think we had couple, three months left in, in the school year when I started at Palmetto in eighth grade. Didn't really get a chance to know anybody there. So really no bad, good or bad um, instances there. But over the summer, I got to know several people in my neighborhood and at Bear Creek Apartments. I think that's what it is. Bear Creek Apartments that was across the street from where I live and got to know people in the neighborhood. And knowing them, I got to knew, know the people they knew. So when we went to school, they're my friends. I'm walking up, hanging with them or whatever. It's just everyday thing for me. Yeah. But when I walked in and I, I started getting looks, hearing things said, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, and it's just, the funny thing, I'll say this and then we can move on. The funny thing about that is there are some people and some very specific examples I could give you. Um, I won't do it on the air, but we can talk about that later. Um, some very specific examples I can give you of people who did that to me mm -hmm. and are now, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They trying still to be friendly? To, that, that, and they're either our age or older and still find it, trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. I've been the same dude. Now, obviously, I've matured and you know, stuff like that. But uh, as far as principles and characteristics go, or my character goes, rather, I'm still the same guy. Like, my principles haven't changed. They may have opinions here and there may have changed, but I'm essentially the same, I want to say the same person, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and, yeah, I get what you're saying. Me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But what, what we wanted to talk about tonight, folks, is, again, uh, trauma from childhood teenage years what we're talking about with with high school here and how that carries over into adulthood because i think that a lot of people because so much so many things are unknown and not talked about or diagnosed or whatever it's swept up under the rug that we go into this we we have this trauma some of us that we carry from our childhood into adulthood. And that trauma shapes our decisions, shapes our thought process. It, it, it creates problems a lot of times. And I just think as we continue to go on and go on, um, the reason you're starting to see people um, come out about being depressed or anxiety ridden, PTSD, all that stuff, is because we're starting to finally talk about it. It's yeah. And it's, it's not... It's not a dirty word. It doesn't, be, if you have mental health issues, that doesn't mean you're, and I, I've grown to hate this word used in this context, but it doesn't mean you're crazy. Yeah. It, it means that, that just like your body, you know, you have physical health. You've got to take care of your body. Well, you've got to take care of your mind too, because this could be a whole nother podcast, but the human yeah. mind is fascinating That's um, true. with what it, with what it can do and, and, and all the things it controls. It's amazing. 
So you, you, but they also drink. have a connection between the mental and your physical. Absolutely. So when you do Absolutely. suffer from all these mental illnesses, if you don't address them or recognize them or, or anything, you can, uh, it can make you physically ill as well. Um, so I'll, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. I was just going to say, and you also mentioned, I just wanted to add because you said, it, you know, trauma, um, you know, from a childhood sweeping it under the rug. And in my instances, I don't hide my trauma. I've always talked about certain things that have hurt me. Um, and it's still, I, I still carry it as an adult. So, you know, I just hope if anyone gets anything from this, it's, you know, think about what you've how you've treated people, how you've spoken to people, but also let's think about our children because Absolutely. what we do now is going to affect them as well. And it's not just our children. It's anyone's children to teach our children, you know, to talk to other children and, and stuff like that, because, you know, I can't help what's happened and what I've had to carry, but I can try to make a difference with mine and make sure that they don't give another reason, you know, a person, another reason to carry something. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and that's the positive, that's the positive way to look at it. Um, putting myself out there. Um, I've always felt this overwhelming sense of sadness, um, a sense of what I now know is anxiety and just kind of general fear. Same. And what I tell people is for as long as I can remember that I can remember. And what I mean by that is I can't recall a time in my life that I didn't feel that way. But as a child, I just thought I was just a, that was just worry me. Ward. Yeah. A, a worry that's, ward. That's what I was called. A worry ward. Right. But right. I, but I worried about people dying that I loved. I wouldn't spend the night off when I was a child because I was scared what would happen to my family. I would sit there in, in my bed at night and cry because I knew one day my grandmother would pass away. I mean, yeah. that's anxiety. And at the time, I just was being me. But exactly. I constantly kept myself in a state of worry. And I had a fear of disappointing my single mother so much to the point that, I mean, it kept me straight. It kept me out of trouble. But um, I did worry about it a lot. It, it kept me in a constant state of worry to be um, good, you know, yeah. to, to do right, to not yeah. mess up. And so my, my diagnosis didn't come until well into my thirties. Mm -hmm. um, I had reached one day. I remember the moment specifically I was getting ready for work and I was sitting on the stairs um, at the top of the stairs and I'd sat down to put my work boots on. And all of a sudden, I just broke down. Like, mm -hmm. you would have thought someone had just shot my dog right in front of me. Um, and I called my boss at the time and told him I was going to be a few minutes late, had something come up, personal come up, that I had to take care of, and then I would be in. And I just sat there. I was, I couldn't move. And I finally said, something's got to change. I can't continue to do this. This this is getting worse. Um, at least I was aware enough to acknowledge that it was getting worse and more frequent. Yeah. So I went to see my doctor, explained everything to them. We, you know, did the litany of, of check uh, blood work check, 
all of that stuff and yeah. whatever um, test or whatever they run through you. And basically what it came down to is I was dealing with major depressive disorder, um, severe anxiety and, and social anxiety and PTSD. Um, and I was given at the time I was given a prescription for medication and I took it for a little while. Mm-hmm. And once it was time to refill it, I just didn't. Um, so I was diagnosed, but unmedicated from shit. You're talking from somewhere like my mid thirties to like 42. So you got a period of period of almost 10 years there where it was completely unmedicated. Yeah. I was, I was an emotional wreck. Yeah. That makes that I'm feeling the anxiety right now because I like to describe it to people that don't understand like the anxiety. It's like, you're looking at me and I'm, it's quiet. But in my head, it's screaming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Like, so I can, I can, you know, I can feel it. (laughs) Like, I I can understand exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. Like the, the screaming inside of just the chaos. Absolutely. You know, that you're feeling inside that no one else can see. No one else can see it. And no one else can hear it. (laughs) Yeah. So, and sometimes they don't need to hear it. Yeah, Um, definitely. But. Um, then I went through my divorce. So there's another set of, of issues I'm dealing with. Um, at the time I was what, 42. That was the first time I had ever lived completely on my own, uh, moved out of my dad's house into a house with the lady that became my wife. We were in a 20 year relationship and then that relationship ended. And here I was at 42 by myself. And yeah. that set off a whole nother set of issues. Well, then I decided to foolishly um, open up to someone way too soon and got, I won't say heartbroken, but I got disappointed and hurt yeah. um, because I thought that person was a friend. And so that, you know, made me take another couple of steps back. So went back to my doctor, told what was told her what was going on and got everything straight and since I've been medicated, um, then in January, the, the people listening have probably heard this story before. Then in January of 2020, I just hit a wall. Um, I was at what I would, you know, what people refer to as rock bottom for me with my depression and everything was at yeah. rock bottom. Um, I finally can say now, it took me a little while to own up to it, but I can finally say now I wasn't contemplating suicide. Um, per se, but I wanted to die. I was actively wanting to die. Yeah, um, but I think that's common. I think that's common. I mean, I've never contemplated suicide, like, oh, what? how would I do it? What, you know, but there's been times where I'm like, I wish I wasn't here. Yeah, I, I would, I would, the reason I didn't want to commit suicide, and, and I'll be very honest about it, the reason I didn't want to commit suicide Mm-hmm. And if my mom and dad ever listen to this show, which I doubt they will, it's no slight <laughs> on them, but it's, I wasn't worried about how they would feel. I was worried about my son. Yeah. And I didn't want him to have to live with that burden. Yeah. So, so imagine folks, if you will, a person wants to die, but forces themselves to keep living because they don't want someone else to carry that burden. That's where I was in January of 2020. From there, got the meds right, 
uh, started seeing a therapist and I've recently started talking to a psychologist or psychiatrist, which everyone can diagnose medicine. I can't remember. I can't ever remember either. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and I'm on that journey and I'm starting to see progress. I'm starting to see where I'm setting boundaries with people and I'm telling people no. And, um, you know, it, it, in some ways, I'll be very honest and say that I look at myself at 46 going, the hell, dude, you're learning shit that people were learning in their 20s. But I have to understand that my journey isn't theirs, nor theirs but, mine. And you also have to remember you're learning shit that other people never learn and never own. That's very true. That's very so true. So even you may be in your 40s, but, you know, again, with my trauma, I, I may, you know, I had 20 years of just making ridiculous choices all in the name of, quote, love. Um, and it took me until my 40s until I, I guess I, I'll say my journey of self-awareness mm-hmm. where I started to really own and take responsibility and then also hold others accountable and not carry that myself because I do that as well. I'll carry yeah. someone else's shit so they yeah. don't have to, you know, to make it easier because I carry so much. Why not a little bit more? And it's bullshit. And then I've gotten to the age where I'm like, no, you can have this back. Hey, grab this right here. You know, I'm, I'm done. But it's taken, it's taken a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment from partners, from friends, from friends that pretended they wanted to be partners, you know, things like that. It's taken a lot of disappointment and hurt for me to finally go, you know what? You know, it's not always me. I'm not always the problem. You know what and, I mean? And, so, and one of the one of the things that helped me post-divorce um, was being told and learning that I contributed to some of my own happiness. Because I was never, post-divorce, I was never one of these guys who would just talk shit about my ex-wife. It, it's, yeah. it's for me, that's counterproductive. That's not a judgment on anybody else that does it, but just based on my situation and my marriage, it's, it's counterproductive, but being made aware that I was actively contributing to my own unhappiness was, was mm-hmm. eye to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. Because you have to, you, it, it forces you to accept that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Did this person cause me some issues? And when I say cause me some issues by some of their actions, words, and, and so on and so on, did they cause me some of that? Sure. But I actively sat in it. Now I sat in it, and here's where we go from talking childhood trauma into adulthood. I sat in it because I didn't understand how to communicate how I felt. Right. And part of that was because I just simply didn't know. I grew up, I love my mom and dad, but I grew up in a, in a dysfunctional household. My parents loved me. I don't ever doubt that. But it was a, it was a contentious household. Um, I hate saying this about, about the home publicly, but it was a very negative household a lot of times. So I, I learned at an early age just to keep my head down and be quiet. Yeah. And that's what I carried into adulthood, into my relationship. I, and I'll go a step further than that into every relationship I've ever been in. Um, I have, I've since learned since opening my eyes and really taking a, a, a look 
at my life, I've never been in a, in a functional relationship. Never. Same. Yeah. Same. You know, I, I've never and that's, experienced. And I have to take responsibility for that because, you know, because I've made my choices right. and I've made my choices based on, you know, I guess for me, I'll tell my little childhood real quick was my father wasn't around. He, he walked away when I was three. And even though he lived, um, you know, Rivertown Road was two miles away, we never saw him. Um, he paid like he's supposed to, but that was about the extent of him being a father. So growing up as a teenager, I looked for love like most girls do. And I hate saying that because I feel like that's just a typical excuse of the daddy issues. But, you know, I did um, want to be loved so bad that I did allow myself to be misused, mistreated, um, you know, just because I felt like I just want someone to love me. Mm -hmm. So in my marriage, I put up my first marriage. I've been married three times, but in my first marriage was right out of high school. And I put up with um, a lot of psychological abuse and things like that. Just, I guess because I felt like I wasn't worthy because if my dad didn't love me, who would, you know, and I, I had needed a lot of reassurance, like, do you love me? And then he would also um, hold that above my head and say, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he wouldn't give me that. He would use that as an, a, a, you know, a thing. And so, and the second marriage, I don't talk about too much because he was too young and it was just stupid. Um, and then the third one, it, it, it affected me in a lot of ways. But again, I, I stayed with someone that clearly wasn't good for me, didn't make me happy, didn't bring, you know, when you're in a relationship, they're supposed to add to what you already have instead of taking from you. Um, but I allowed that. And I sat back and allowed it and allowed it and allowed it because he loved me or I thought he did, you know. And, you know, I tried to fill that void and I still do it. You know, I mean, I still have an issue when it comes to relationships um, because of the daddy issues of, of wanting that, that comfort, that security. Right. Because I've never had it in any relationship. I've never had the security, but I feel like if I'd have had it from my dad growing up, then I wouldn't necessarily have looked for it so hard. Right. Then it could have so, made a, yeah. a, a ton of difference. Yeah. Exactly. So just the fact that my dad, dad wasn't around and wasn't a part of my life just an active role to me made such an impact on me and my choices now of course my choices are my choices as an adult when you know better blah 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 but underneath I feel like I was looking for that well, you let, know let me stop let me stop you for just a second because I think okay. something you're touching on is is really important because I know there's jokes out there, you know, girls with daddy issues and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. And, and, and I get that. I understand the comic, uh, the comedy of it, but I don't, I, I think a lot of people downplay what children experience because how many times have you heard, Oh, you think your life is so tough. Why don't you try working a job and paying bills? Yeah. As a child, we heard, or I, I'll speak for myself. Yeah, I know. I heard that a lot. Not maybe not necessarily from my parents, but I heard it a lot. And so that that put into my mind, well, you know, I'm just a kid. What do I have to complain about? Blah, blah, blah. But not understanding. And that's why I implore people 
to listen to their children. Yes, they let them have a voice. <laughs> oh, my God. You just said something that is Please. huge with me. Yeah. Huge. I am a very big advocate of allowing your child to have a voice. Now, let yes. me go on record as saying that the parent is the, the quote unquote boss and, and they run the household. Don't misunderstand me. But I think so many people from our generation specifically grew up with parents who grew up in a household where what I say is what I say. And that's it. You shut up. Children should be seen and not heard. Yes. And I remember telling my son at one point that you can you can always ask me why I've told you to do something. There's two two caveats to that, though. One, go ahead and do what I told you to do. Two, don't come at me with an attitude. Yeah. But I have no problem with you asking me why. Daddy, why did I have to wipe down that wall? Daddy, yeah. why did I have to take out the trash? I'm cool with that because I yeah. think it's important to give your child a voice because for myself, and again, I hate to say this publicly, but for myself, I felt like I was never heard. Uh, you talk about having issues because your dad wasn't there. Mm -hmm. My dad was there. My mom was there. But I felt like I wasn't heard. I felt like I wasn't worthy of love. I felt like um, I wasn't cared and see, about. I felt, I felt the same way, but just basically about my dad. Now, I grew up in a home with a single mother and my grandmother. So I had like two parents, ultimately. Mm -hmm. My grandmother stayed home. She, you know, Price is Right on a sick day. And my mom worked. <laughs> she Good was, the, you partner. know, yeah. Yep. She was the male role, my mom. And we were allowed to speak. My mother took an approach because she was a young mother. She sort of kind of took the friend approach. Um, mm -hmm. And my grandmother was more of the parent approach. So my mom did allow us to have a voice. So I didn't grow up where it was just shut up. You're not allowed. Um, but it was, you can talk to me, but you're going to be respectful or, you know, you're going to get it. So I ra have raised all three of my children in the same way because I look at it this way. I want them to respect me, period, as their mother, as a woman, as a person, you know, of course, as their mother when they're little. And then now that two of them are adults as a woman, you know, but if I expect them to respect me, then I'm going to respect them exactly. as people. It doesn't Bingo. matter if they're six. It doesn't matter if they're 16. Um Bingo. Their problems are their problems. And yes, I roll my eyes when my young adult children come at me with their problems. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? But I listen to them. I let them have their freak out, their moment, whatever it is they're going through. My only rule, just like you, you can talk to me about whatever, but do not come at me disrespectful, period. Yeah. You can disagree with me. You can dislike what I say. And I tell the young one, you can be angry with me. You can go in your room and dislike me all day, but you're not going to be disrespectful. You have right. every right to be mad. Yeah. You I know, mean, and, so, and, and that's I, how I've raised mine. And I have great children and they don't disrespect me. And, you know, like you said, well, people will say, well, you're the parent and they're the kids. I, I don't treat them. And now the older ones, yeah, you know, we're, we're closer because they're adults. Um, but I'm mom and my eight year old knows that I'm mom. I'm not a best friend. She knows what she can and cannot get away with. However, there's a sense of respect and therefore she doesn't try to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, and, if and she I, does, 
something she's not supposed to, usually she'll come and tell me and then cry about it before I can even punish her. Yeah, that that's so, that's like soul crushing when that happens. My my yeah. son's done that before. But yeah. I, I think the respect thing is is huge because again, a lot of people in our generation, I can't speak for previous generations, but a lot of kids in our generation grew up where maybe our parents would say, Well, well, yeah, I respected you. But I, I think we were made to feel like like we had no voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I say I had the household I grew up in. However, I I did have a lot of friends that did have a home. Like you're saying is you do what I say, period. Don't ask why. If you ask why you're going to get in more trouble. Look, here, here's the thing I've told my dad to his face on several occasions with respect, of course, but (laughs) of course, my dad (laughs) on several occasions that do as I say, do not as I do mindset. Mm -hmm is the worst way to parent. Yeah. Now, I fully acknowledge that I'm a human being. I'm going to make mistakes. The point being is I've got to, if, if I expect my son to do something, then I've got to present that example to him. Yeah. And I'm not saying my dad didn't pr- provide examples of certain things. He did, but it was also that, uh, you know, that uh, I grew up in a house full of smokers. It's, it's, don't smoke while they're puffing mm-hmm. on a cigarette. Yeah, You know what I mean? Don't cuss. Yeah. And this is before my dad quit cussing, but don't cuss when, you know, I'm hearing the F word fly. Yeah. You know? And so I told my son when, when he was probably 11, 12 years old, dude, I fully expect you to be, you know, dropping F bombs, MF and all of this amongst your friends. I was doing it. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. The only thing I hold you to is you're not using that language at home at the age you are, at least. And you're not going to do it in public. Exactly. Same Amongst here. your friends, yeah. let it drop. See, I, and, and same here. I mean, I, that's exact the exact same conversation that, that I've had with my children because it's obvious. We know we were there. We know they're going to cuss. You know, mm-hmm. we know they're going to say things. They're going to talk about things that we don't one another talking about but you know you have to say i acknowledge it but you know as a parent we also have to let them see us human and say you know i make mistakes and yeah. i think that's a big problem you know is even my mom did it um you know there was never i'm wrong you know i'm in the wrong as a parent like if there was an, a, a situation um, I can tell you one specific situation. It's funny. My mom had lost a, a piece of mail, a letter, and she was looking around. She was yelling at everyone, you know, losing her mind. Uh, I know it was here. I know it was here. And I saw her. She had it under her shirt. She had found it and she had it under her shirt and she went and put it on like the bookshelf. And it was like, here it is. And that was the first time I saw my mom as a human instead of a mom. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. realized she's not perfect. She didn't want to admit she was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, she, but, but we never got an apology either. You know what I'm saying? Like right. as a parent, I would be like, Oh, here it is. I'm sorry, guys. Um, you know, I'm the moron, but you yeah. have to be able to admit to your kids that I fuck up too. Yeah. you know, and, um, and, and it's okay. I'm a grown up. Well, I'm your parent. I'm not perfect. I fuck up. You fuck up. I'm still going to accept you. Right. And, you and know. that's, that's where I'm like you. It's I'm trying my damnedest not to pass on my trauma 
mm-hmm. to my child. Now, I'll, I'll again fully admit publicly that I tried so hard to do that that I think I went a little too far and sheltered him at times. I hate to say that because I never thought I was that kind of dad, but I had to take a step back. There goes the country in me. I had to take a step (laughs) back and really examine things. I'm like, oh, shit. I can see where I was overprotective and I shielded him and didn't let him find out things on his own. And I can see where those things are affecting him now. Mm-hmm. My kid, my, I never had a moment's trouble out of my child. The worst thing my kid ever did was not doing homework, failing a science class. Mm-hmm. We got that corrected. Now, that's not to say he never got in trouble. He did. Yeah. I'm just saying I didn't get calls like, on the scale of houses. kids getting in trouble, that's pretty, pretty right. minor. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Exactly. So my thing was, it's like, you know, this this kid gave me no issues growing up. He's been a great kid, been very res- respectful. And I can say in in my 40s, with my sight being what it is, my hearing being what it is, that kid has done a phenomenal job. I keep calling him a kid. That young man has done a phenomenal job. It's stepping in and helping me when I need it. But I want to make sure as much as I can to try not to pass on my trauma onto him or not to project it onto him. Um, Let me ask you this. Um, With you saying that a lot of your trauma and a lot of your issues stem from your dad not being there. And you say that you were looking for that acceptance. Um, when you say acceptance, like what were you looking for specifically? If you don't mind me asking that. Are you there? Folks, I think we lost Melinda. Uh, tell you what I'm going to do, folks. We're at the four minutes and or four, 40 minutes uh, mark. I'm going to stop recording right here and get back in contact with Melinda. And we'll be right back. Wrestling With My Thoughts podcast would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Chance, creating hope and needed care for everyone. Chance provides outpatient counseling services for individuals with mental health and addictive disease needs. At their clinics, you'll be assessed to determine your specific treatment needs. The staff at Chance then works together with you, your family, your community partners, and other supportive people that you choose to develop your strengths, skills, and self-determination that will allow you to live an empowered life. If you or someone you love is in need of the care and services offered by Chance, please contact them at 877-393-8184, or you can email them at contactus at chancecreatinghope.com. For more information, please visit www.chancecreatinghope.org because everyone deserves a second chance.
last time we had a guest on. This is high quality shit right here. This is high <laughs> quality production. Um, <laughs> but no, we're gonna back on. no, we're going to be honest. My face knocked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't My even know. My face took the phone and it took me out and I could hear you, but you could not hear me. So <laughs> nice. I, I don't know. Yeah, right. and I was just completely freaking out. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I'm able to uh, I'm able to to rebound and get you back in here, so that's fine. Um, okay. So did did you hear the last question I asked? Oh well, yeah, I heard you say something about what was it about? I guess the lack of my father that made me want acceptance, or yeah, something uh, along that line. Not so much that made you want acceptance, because that acceptance that part I can understand, but like. Do you know exactly, or did you know exactly at that time, what it was you were looking for? Were you just looking for someone to love you and accept you, or were you looking for somebody to provide that? And, and I don't mean, folks, I know some of y'all out there have perverted minds, and I don't mean it this way. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> but were you looking for someone to fill that that fatherly role? I don't, I don't really know because I, um, to this day, since I was in my twenties mm -hmm. to this day, um, I feel very awkward around men that would be my father's age. Okay. So, um, I don't know. And if you, you hear, know, like if you hear something in the background, I'm not taking a piss. I'm pouring myself something to drink. <laughs> okay. Nice cover up. But, um, so, but yeah, um, I, I don't, at the time, I feel like I was just being a teenager dating, but now that I can look back, you know, they called it boy crazy or anything like that. It was just like, at one point I remember it was almost like it didn't really matter what boy was my boyfriend as long as I had one and one loved me. Okay. If that makes sense. No, it you does. Know, it it makes perfect sense. Like, you know, and I didn't know at the time. It wasn't until I went to therapy and was talking about, and, you know, my teenage relationships, they're a little bit different. But as I got into my first marriage, because I was with him from, you know, 17 um, until we divorced when I was mm -hmm. 20, 28, um, I didn't think about anything like that. But it, as I got into my, I call it serious, you know, my marriage was my first real serious relationship, of course, because I was 17. Um, I looked for a lot more. I can see a lot more signs of looking for that security, um, just that big, you know, masculine type hug that you feel comforted. I never felt that in my relationship, but also, unfortunately, the people I chose weren't that great. So the way they treated me, you know, it wasn't like I had a really good guy that, you know, was loving and caring yeah. and, you know, I just didn't feel that way from him, you know, or it, like my issues wouldn't allow me to accept his, his love or anything like that. You know, my first marriage, love was a, a, a blackmailing tool, you know, it was something he used to dangle to control, um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. And like I said, my second marriage was pretty much just a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I usually don't even like to mention it, but I'm going to be I want to be 100 on here. 
but yeah, usually I don't even mention it because it was just really uneventful. He was younger than me and I was just stupid. Um, <laughs> hey, we and, all have like our I stupid said, moments, man. I, yeah, you know, like I said, yeah. I opened up to somebody way too soon and put well, miles on my car going to, yeah, I'm not even getting into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going well, to be a hundred percent transparent. Um, in my first marriage with my husband, uh, we were, you know, I'd say the first five years were pretty decent. I mean, we're young, we're growing up. We had right. kids right off the bat. Um, you play in house, you know, a lot of us did that, you know, that's just how we did. Um, and you know, then the, it was about five years into it. To, I, I guess I didn't realize at the time, but the psychological abuse started where I couldn't have friends, you know, the friends from college that I had had couldn't come over anymore because she was a slut. And this one was that. And, you know, um, controlling when I could, you know, go to my mom and, you know, I don't want you to go today. Saying things like every, you know, every year we went on vacation and um, my mom would pay, like, I'll say $500 and then we would pay $500. He didn't go, but the kids and I would go. He never wanted to go. Uh, but I didn't work, so he would pay the $500. But, like, every single year, a couple of days before Florida, like, he would cause an argument and tell me he wasn't going to give me the money to put me in a panic. You know what I mean? Just, to, like, almost for fun. And mm-hmm. then uh, then when the morning came for us to go to Florida, he would finally, you know, okay, here's the money. You know, just really cruel. And now I realize, looking back, it was psychological, mental abuse, emotional abuse. Um, he's very much a narcissist. I hate that being thrown around because women tend to say that about everybody they date. You know, if, if a guy cares about himself, just a tad, or a woman, you know, uh, is a little cocky or a little confident, you know, they're a narcissist. And that's, no, this is a true narcissist where you hurt people. You let, know me, I mean? let, let me interject something. And, and mm-hmm. the reason I am is because it's relevant to exactly what you're saying right now. You know, one of the reasons I never said that I was good at anything or that I was, I thought I was handsome or whatever. The reason, the, one of the biggest reasons I never thought any positive thoughts about myself is because I didn't want to be a narcissist. Yeah. So, and I can understand can, that because it's such a stigma and, you know, I mean, sometimes I feel like, actually, I may be somewhat of a narcissist, but I feel like <laughs> if you're aware of it, and I don't, you know, like, I know I have the power to manipulate, but that doesn't mean I have to go actually manipulate someone. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, everyone has the power to hurt someone, uh, but that doesn't mean that I, I want to go out and find someone and be cruel to them and hurt them like some people actually do. Right, because right. there are people that go out there and they just want to misuse people for their own benefit. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, the, the narcissist thing, it does get thrown around. You know, I hear some of my friends sometimes are arguing with their husband, like, you're such a narcissist. And I'm like, no, he's not really. <laughs> you know, you're not having to beg for underwear. Okay. He's not a narcissist. Right. Yeah. Look look up the textbook definition of narcissist. Yeah. I mean, and so, and, you know, not to belittle anyone that, you know, may be going through it, but he was a true narcissist. And so as our marriage progressed, um, I started doing things like PTA, PTO, whatever it was. And, you know, he didn't like that because I was doing something for me. And, um, 
it became a problem. And the females, a uh, couple of females that were in the, the PTA with me were like, girl, that's, that's not right. You know, he's, he's holding you a prisoner. That's not right. That's abuse. You know, and I started seeing it instead of living it and realizing. Um, and of course, I, he, he was very verbally abusive about my weight. Uh, I had put on a lot of weight after children. And, uh, you know, like there was a time where we were in our marital moment and I thought, well, you know, because he didn't really, he wasn't attracted to me once I put on weight. He was very verbal about that. But um, during one of our moments, I was like, you know, do you want me to put my legs up? And he was like, oh my God, no, that's disgusting. Like in the act. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a kind of a a self-esteem breaker. Dude, Um, even if I had thought that, I would never say that. No, I'm telling you, he was bad. I mean, it's it's no exaggeration. I mean, there are several people that we both know that probably your listeners know that could vouch and say, no, they they absolutely know that that's how he was. Um, So, uh, you know, at that point, I just felt completely unloved, you know, and he was sleeping on the couch. I was completely ignored being a single mom raising two kids. And I'm, you know, went to my friend's house one night and this stupid idiot 21-year-old paid attention to me and he liked the bigger girls and he thought I was cute. And, uh, you know, I allowed myself to get wrapped up in that and, uh, you know, had an affair. So that, yeah. And uh, so, of course, that that came out. My marriage ended. Let me step in in right there for just a moment Mm -hmm. Um, because I want to say something to the listeners. Because what you're saying is very important right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would judge you for that stepping outside your marriage, right? And while, Absolutely. while that was wrong, I 100% understand why you did it. Because you had someone, because you had someone that, that made you feel wanted. They gave you what you needed. Does that, yes. does that make sense? No, it does make sense. And, and you're about to really be blown away. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, and I do understand, you know, now looking back, I can see where it was easy for me to fall into that. However, I am one of those people that is very judgy um, about my choice. And I have to tell you why. Um I made my choice, and because of that, you know, we went through a nasty divorce, naturally. I hurt him, uh, regardless of how he was, you know, his ego, whatever. He was hurt. Uh, he wanted to get back at me, you know, and we, so we went through a nasty divorce. It was a year long, uh, to be honest and transparent. It was about $15,000, a divorce, because he kept dragging it out and, you know, just really being ridiculous. Um and I got, you know, I got the kids. Everything was fine. He paid child support. I got, you know, I got a job at Yamaha. I was working. I married the idiot 21-year-old. That's where I, I tried to go back. <laughs> I married him. And now I know I married him. Why I married him? He was a great guy. We should have been friends. You know, there's no, uh, nothing that to this day. Um, but we, I shouldn't have married him. Come on. Uh, he was eight years younger than me and, um, I married him because at the time I think I felt like 
if I had given up my family for a nobody, that made me shitty. But mm-hmm. if I if I broke up my family for love or because I was in love with someone else, then that was okay. That's how I justified it at the time. I know no, different no. now, but that's, I, I get it. You know, that's I, I 100% how, get it. Yeah, that's sort of how I thought. So that's why I say that marriage was a fluke. No disrespect to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he and I both talked about it. He was not in love either. Uh, he was young. He thought he wanted to be a father and a stepfather, but really he wanted to go drink beer with his friends. He's 23 years old. Come on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that was that. But um, that one, the 21-year-old, he cheated on me. And so, you know, after we got married, so we got married, he was 23. And um, I'm trying to think of how old, I'll say I was uh, 30 when we got married, 30, 31, when we got married, because we dated a couple of years and then we got married. Um, And he cheated on me uh, within the first year of our marriage. And the devastation, the darkness that I felt that that I had to go through for, it was about a week, I would say, where I sat in the bed completely numb, dealing with what he had done. Uh, I didn't just have to deal with that, but then I also had to deal with my shit. Because then at that point, I realized there is absolutely no excuse that makes it okay to cheat. I could have left him. I could have divorced him. I could have called my mama to come get me. I could have went to the police. You know what I mean? There's so many other things I could have done to get away from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheating, it was not okay. Uh, well, let, me, because... let, me, let me say, let me say this. Um, and I thought some people are going to receive this as me being the typical guy thing to say. But while I agree with you 100%, there's no good reason to cheat. How do I say this? Um, I don't know how I want to say it, but. I don't, I don't know how I want to say it, but I, <laughs> I understand someone stepping outside of their marriage. Now, yeah, I, I, mean, I can too. With, I, I can understand the reason why, but then you, you, the people that step out, they have their reasons why, but then they also have to add on, you know, yeah, I wasn't getting attention, but I'm also selfish. Right. I, exactly. I agree. Very selfish. I was very selfish I didn't care about him I didn't care about my kids I didn't care about anything about myself at that time and the attention that I was receiving but in in some ways Melinda you deserve that what I what I mean by that is and I'm not advocating that that parents you know don't care about their children I'm not advocating that but you deserved to be happy you deserve to feel a certain way now the, the the adult thing to do, the mature thing to do is to communicate that to your to your partner, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I don't think myself or you, um, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but I don't think either of us were in a position to have those conversations because we simply didn't know how to have them. No, I, yeah, I could I couldn't, no, I couldn't express myself. If, right. It was his way or no way. It was his way right. or no way. Uh-uh. So it, it doesn't excuse, it doesn't excuse your cheating. And that's what I want to make clear to the listeners. I'm not excusing cheating, but I am saying that a lot of times this happens 
when people are ill-equipped to express themselves. And once you're done, I'll get more into that, but I'm going to let you finish. Okay. Yeah. It's, well, and, and just my, because of my actions, you know, like I had to face myself, like, like mm-hmm. you were talking about, you know, and I, I have to look in the mirror and I have to go back and say, you know, no matter who this man was, this is what I did to him. You know, no matter how mean he was, I remember his face, the, the, you know, devastation on his face when he found out because narcissist or not, he never thought, you know, his little bird would do anything. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. he he was, you know, and it's painful to have to admit, I I would rather be hurt than be the one doing the hurting. Uh, That's harder for me. So that was difficult for me to swallow during that time when I had to do that. But also two years after our divorce, he um, served me with papers for modification of child support and custody. And, you know, he just constantly kept going after me constantly with the kids. Just, I mean, it was, it was ugly. Um, My son was punished for saying happy father's day to his new quote stepfather, you know, things like that. It was very difficult. Uh, But he, he took me to court and a long story short, you know, but he had connections and stuff, but he got my children. He got them for six years and until they were old enough and they came home. Um, and during that time, of course, as you can guess, he abused them in the same way he abused me, uh, controlled everything. Uh, so, you know, and I even had a talk with defects from his company, uh, from his company, from his co- uh, county uh, about psychological abuse and emotional abuse uh because it's so hard to prove unless like Mm -hmm. the child or the person says this is what was done and this is how it made me feel right and uh when a child is in fear they're not going to say that of course so Mm -hmm. it's it's just really difficult so uh you know i had to stand back and uh, allow them to stay there and a lot of times i would say you know I've talked to lawyers. You guys can come back. And they were like, no, we, if we come back now, he's just going to keep on. You know, he's just, gonna, he told them he had people following him, watching him here, watching me, you know, things like that. So, it, but to go back, I don't want to get into all that, but I feel like, yes, that, that's him. And that's on him, his attitude, his, his narcissist, you know, his ways. However, I just, part of me feels like maybe he wouldn't have taken it to that extreme had I not cheated. Now, uh, I'm going to defend you here. Um, While cheating is wrong, because (laughs) I'll just say I can relate in some ways. Um, While cheating is wrong, you didn't deserve what you got because you cheated. And now I know no, some I, of my I listeners, you know, and my children didn't deserve it. However, I feel like that's why he behaved the way he did. Oh, and absolutely. It, I can agree with and that. If I'm being honest, you know, if I'm being honest and, and owning every single thing, I do have to back it up and say, had I made a different choice and just went to my mother and said, I'm unhappy. I want a divorce and went through that divorce, would he have had the fuel 
that he has. But were I you? But were but were you equipped to do that? That's that's the thing. That's the whole thing yeah. you and I are talking about right now. And, yeah, and that's, no, that's, that's not. not I am now, but no. At, at in the twenties with children, learn just. I mean, because you and I exactly. also talk. You and I both are big advocates on. You know, let's let's wait till we're you know thirty years old before we talk about marriage. Oh, I, yes. You know, I believe in that because I don't believe I actually grew up and became an actual grown ass adult until I was about thirty. Yeah. Mentally, Dude, like where I could handle things. Yeah, and, and and I can tell you from my own personal experience. Now that doesn't mean my personal experience is going to be everybody's, but like I was still trying to figure shit out at twenty five, twenty six. I really didn't become comfortable with myself until I was like 30, 35. And even then, I'm saying I became comfortable with myself, but I didn't really, I really didn't know myself at that point in time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you that whole, you know, I advocate that nobody gets married before they're 30. Of course, there's yeah. exceptions to every rule. But yeah, I just, like, well, and, and there's the other side where I feel I have two young adult children. I feel like they should live. They should do whatever yes. the fuck they want. Yes. Because once you do get a partner and you do, if you decide to have children, have children or dogs or whatever and responsibilities and bills and all the other shit that we know is coming, you don't get that opportunity to just go buy that Xbox if you want it because you work your ass And so I just my children and I, you know, do I get jealous when I see my adult children buying shit that I'd like? Absolutely. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you work for it. Yeah. You know? So because, because you understand that you have helped instill in them a sense of understanding that you didn't have at their age. See, here's yeah. the thing I always tried to look at with my son. I always tried to remember, you know, what was I thinking at 17? What was I thinking at 16? And if I was thinking this at 16, why would I logically speaking, why would I expect my son not to have those same thoughts or similar thoughts? I had a person right. in my life whose daughter was caught watching porn at, I want to say 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. And I told that person, why are you, or I said to that person, why are you getting so upset? Because I know at 15, 16, you were looking at porn or you yeah. were doing this. So why are you getting mad at your kid for doing this? Is it okay for an underage child to watch porn Absolutely not. I want to be clear. Are they about going that. to? Absolutely. Yes. We especially have? today with phones. Did I get up and mess with the cable box to watch Showtime at night? Absolutely. <laughs> my my big thing was Skinamax. Uh, did I go look through you know my uncle's Playboys? Dude, Absolutely. Let me let me tell you something. Me and an unnamed person went to the extent and. I'm hoping the statute of limitations is passed on this, but I, I will honestly say me and another individual who I won't name went and went so far as to come up with a lie to go to the Palmetto uh, post office, buy a P.O. box, 
<laughs> then go across the tracks to a certain establishment that would sell magazines to underage young men and went into that magazine and found where we could order material. That's and genius. We would, we would get said material sent to that post office. We would then record that material and sell it to our friends. That's genius. I think that we broke like six or seven felonies at that point. But that's absolutely genius, though. <laughs> right? Hey, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, and, and they're going to. And, I, you know, to exactly. Back, you know, I had the same situation with my son, which, you know, um, nobody knows him. So, but, you know, when he was a, a young boy, a young man, well, just whatever, make, sure, under, make sure you understand this is all public forum here. Yes, I know. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, no, but, you know, uh, he talked to me uh, about the things that young boys do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know how to talk to him about it because I'm not a man. And you can't talk to his dad about it at all. You, you don't talk about that at all. Nothing, you know. So basically, you know, I just, as a mother, I told him, look, it's normal. You're going to do it. You're going to do it a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, just don't tell anyone. Don't talk about it. Uh, that's your private whatever. Um, and that that was the talk, you know. Uh, now, later on, when he was about 16, um, his dad did find that he was looking at inappropriate stuff and actually took out a TPO on me, <laughs> saying that wow. I was showing wow, him, wow. Uh, which actually was just his way of keeping the kids from me that summer for 60 days so they wouldn't come see me but gotcha. yeah he said that I was, yeah that I was showing that and to my son and, and all of that and this wow. was years later. my son my son first came to me about it you know he was 12 the typical age uh he was just curious about like why is this happening yeah. um and so I, you know I, I just told him the best I could and uh went on uh but yeah but when he when he was caught you know and and at that age I told him no you shouldn't look at that you're, that's for 18 and up um however you know it's not like I was gonna like punish him for it you know what I mean because that's normal right. there's the internet social media you have access to this you know as a parent I have to tell him that it's wrong however I'm I'm a logical parent and I know that curiosity is there and they're going to look at it if if they want to if they choose and and that's what I'm saying. Like the extent that me and this other individual went through to obtain VCR tapes. That's great. They, the kid, <laughs> kids don't have to go through that now. They've got a computer in their hand with exactly. their phone. Like you worked for it. You worked. Yeah. For it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah, but, and, yeah. and what I what I was going to say earlier. You were talking about getting married young and things like that. Here's another thing I want to say about that. And it kind of strays off of the trauma thing. But I think there's also a misconception of what love is. And what I mean by that is I think like anything else in our lives, love can mean many different things to many different people. I was the last podcast I recorded <laughs> as that podcast went on. I, it, it strayed into a, into an area none of us really expected. And I was the only one 
defending open relationships. Yeah. And nobody understood what I meant. I had one friend in particular who was saying that you're wasting your time if you're doing that. And I was saying, how are you wasting that time if that's what you two agree to? Yeah. And I don't See, and think... I'm, I'm with you. I think whatever someone else decides between the two people, is the, that's them, period. Um, Absolutely. It, you know, you make a promise to another person. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to keep that promise. If you break that promise, again, that's between you and that person. Yes. Um, if you and that person have a situation that works for you um, and there's no deception, no betrayal, you know, then I'll, I, I'm all for it. Now, yeah. it's not for me. I don't like to share. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do. I'm very, very, very close with an individual, a uh, female, who in the past she and her husband have brought females into their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no problem with that. I just told her straight up when I first met her, I don't want to be one of them, you know, <laughs> and we laughed about it and that we're cool. You know, that's just how it is. Uh, so I do agree that people, everyone's relationship is their relationship. It, you know, I, I don't agree that, you know, men should always be the one to work and the woman stay home. If a woman has a good enough job, the man can stay home and take care of the children. Yeah. If it's I- possible. Uh, that stay-at-home parent doesn't have to be female. I, I have uncles that they work, but they are very involved. And as they retired, they're involved. And, you know, uh, I know men that have stayed home, and they're great stay-at-home parents. It doesn't – that that whole gender role and all that, I don't really get flow with all that. I just flow with, like, each individual Yeah, person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. And and, you know. and that's how I feel. And that's what I was saying on that episode, that if this works for these two individuals and they are communicating and they've agreed that this is what they're willing to do, then how is it wasting time? Because yeah. and, and that's what I, you know, to come back to it, that's why I think we have to be at a point where we're able to have those conversations about love about what you expect out of love and about what you expect out of a partner be it long-term relationship or marriage i've taken it i've taken an 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 open not open an active role in intentionally not dating right now um Mm -hmm. i'm not looking for a relationship i don't want a relationship right now and it's not it's not because I don't want someone in my life that loves me or cares for me or supports me or any of that. But right now I'm working on me and exactly. I can't, I can't work on me and be what someone else may need me to be in that instance. Exactly. And so I've just decided that's not to say I won't go out on dates but I'm going to be open and honest with that person that it's a date. Like I'm not looking for this. And if you tell me, Hey Ron, fuck you. I don't want that. You're a piece of shit because exactly. you don't want a relationship. That's fine. Tell me that because I'm going to yeah. tell you that, Hey, we may be going out on a date, but understand this is a casual date for me. Yeah. And I'm and learning at our, age, at our age. I think it's just almost respectful 
just yes. to go ahead and say, this Absolutely. is where I, you know, like, you know, I'm single uh, myself. However, you know, if I, if I was to meet someone, um, you know, and I have been approached, you know, I say straight up, I do not want a friends with benefits situation. Mm-hmm. I do not want a casual situation. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I have the inability to detach <laughs> like a lot of people can do. <laughs> so um, I know that's not something that works for me. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, I've had friends like long, over decades, um, be told that and say, oh, yeah, no, I understand, and use me for that anyway. Yes. And, and, and I think... And, you know, like it pretends that they are pursuing me in the dating sense, you know, not serious, but let's see where this goes, you know, in that direction, Uh, because I'm not asking, you know, I don't tell people I don't want friends benefits, I want to be married. No. Um, But, you know, if I'm dating you, then I'm looking into a a partner that's going to be in my life around my child. You know, it's not casual. You know, it's not going to be that way. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I think that going back to trauma, I think that has a lot to do with a person's ability or inability to communicate that at certain ages because we, we didn't learn that as children. And that's where I think people like myself and you are trying to step in and make that distinction and say, hey, yeah. be honest, communicate. It may come off as a as as this person thinking of you as an asshole, but I would rather someone think me an asshole than to me get in a situation where it becomes like uh 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 what's the what's the movie Jagged Edge, where the woman burnt the yeah. rabbit on the stove or whatever. I would rather be honest. I would rather. Here's the thing. I would rather. I would rather. Say what? Uh, the Fatal Attraction. I was never allowed to watch that movie. I can't. I I don't know what I was. But I I would rather Melinda respond to me and say, Ron, all you want is friends with benefits or you're a piece of shit or whatever, than me lead you or anyone else on to believe I want this. Because at this point, I don't. And that's not yeah. a knock. I, like, I'm not actively going out looking for a friends with benefits. I'm not actively going out looking for anything. And and, and that's why a, a person that you and I know mutually, while I want to be a friend, well, let me back up, take a couple of steps back. While I am a friend to that person, I know what that person is looking for. I'm not going to offer that to that person because I know that that's not where I am right now, regardless of how I may have felt in the past. You understand what I'm saying? Because I know what that person's been through. I know what they're dealing with. And I'm I'm got to say that, that I respect just that statement because you are thinking about what they've been through because we're talking about trauma. And that's another thing. People need to stop listening to people's past and their trauma you know like you and I talk and we talk about our trauma and then we get in a relationship and then I do the same thing 
or, you know, I use that trauma against you. People need to stop doing that to people. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, you know, it's really bad. Just say, yeah, you know, because... you open up and tell me something personal. And because I know that, I could use it against you when maybe I don't like you anymore. You know what I mean? Or, or I don't want to be with you anymore. Or you piss me off or whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, if someone comes to you and, and they say, I have damage because of A, B, and C. Don't. Don't be A, B, and C. Right. It's, That's it's, just it's, so shitty. It's just, it's like, it's that lack of communication. I think that a lot of us from our generation may lack. Either we don't have it or we have too much of it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, obviously, with the people who lack it, I mean, absolutely, they lack it. Such as myself. I'll put myself in that category. I lack that ability until fairly recently. And even now, it's hard for me to say, hey, here's how I'm feeling. Because a part of me still resorts back to that trauma-ridden child who goes, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. But I have to understand that I would rather, for lack of a better way to say it, I would rather hurt your feelings on the front end then lead you along and hurt your feelings on the back end because on the back end, that can ruin a potential friendship. On the front yeah. end, at least someone may be able to appreciate that I was honest. Yeah. And I think a lot of us from our generation lack the skills to have those conversations, especially in today's world, because when I first jumped into, when I got divorced, um, about a year after I divorced, I decided to try like, Tender, Bumble, and all that shit to try to, you know, maybe meet someone. Because the way we used to talk to people, first and foremost, doesn't work for me because I have fucking crippling social anxiety. But that seemed to be what everybody was doing now. So, a funny story offline about Tinder. But I met somebody on Bumble, and I told that person, if, if this doesn't work out as us, you know, dating or whatever, you're a cool person. I would at least yeah. like to remain friends. That person ghosted me. <laughs> and it, w- it was kind of at that point after it happening before with the person I told you about. Um, mm-hmm. It was at that point I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to try to even do this shit because I got I have more impressing matters and trying to figure out my own shit. And until I figure out my own shit, I'm not going to be good for anybody because I still haven't worked through my shit. And I think yeah. a lot of us in our generation, we don't know how to under- comprehend that. Um, I think we're getting there because I think the conversation overall is becoming more, for lack of a better term, acceptable. Um, yeah. People are being more honest. And what I hate are the fucking naysayers who are like, oh, well, I was a better, you know, these kids today can't handle this or that. Well, here's a reality check, motherfucker. You couldn't handle it either at that age. But because yeah. we were taught a certain way, you believe I mean, look that you were able to accept that. <laughs> Say what? I said, look at how I handled my trauma. That, you know, I mean, but, me too, Melinda. You know, me too. Yeah. It, it, so, it's like no, I agree. I, I, go ahead. I said I agree. 
Yeah, it's just um, like I see these people, you know, our generation had so-and-so. These kids today have safe places. Dude, I wish I had a fucking safe place back in the day. People that would yeah. listen to me and understand me. That would have helped me work through a whole lot of shit that happened at yeah, six, seven years old. Say what? I said, and the mental health aspect. Hell yes. You know, the fact that, I mean, I remember being in elementary school. I know you weren't in Fairburn in elementary school. I was. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, the children now, looking back, you know, that had ADD or um, ADHD, uh, you know, they were put in classes called BD and mm-hmm. LD. And it was learning disabilities and behavioral disabilities. So us as children, we'd be like, oh, there's so-and-so. He's in BD. He's bad. You know what I mean? That, that stigma yeah, is already there. Yeah, because you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, at the school itself, that, like, that was the class. It was called BD. And then the other one was LD. You know, and really, they're just kids that are like some now that had ADHD, you know, or... Uh, maybe they, you know, had autism and learned a little bit different, but they were fully functional. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't so obvious or whatever. And, you know, they were just put in these classes like, oh, well, you're a problem. <laughs> you know, I'm going to ste- yeah. step away for just keep talking, but I'm going to step away for just a second because I hear something. And I want to make sure there's nobody at my door. Hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> keep talking. I don't know what to talk about without anyone to talk to. Emotional damage. Yeah, I'm awkward, so I really don't know what to say. Except I'm an over-communicator. He's an under-communicator, apparently. I over-communicate. Okay, I'm back. I'm sorry for that, people. I told you all this is a top-notch operation here. Um, <laughs> well, you say, I have I never had that happen. happen. I've never had that and happen. I had time to go get a snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's what I love. It, it, taking a step completely outside of what we're talking about. That's what I love about having somebody on the show. This is the type of shit that I've wanted. It's cool for me to get on, and I'm completely okay with it, getting on and talking for an hour. But to have this back and forth and have somebody make jokes or whatever about whatever, because this, I didn't expect this. 
But I wanted, because of the argument that was going on later, I wanted to make sure there was nothing going on. When you go back and listen, you will you will see that I, I don't think I could do it if I just had to sit there and speak. Because I was just like, I don't know what to say. And then I you know threw what? in emotional damage. And then I was just like. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'll, I'll take that compliment. I'll take that compliment compliment because a person I went to school with us, one of my best friends by the name of Larry, if you think about um, high school, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, he is, he and I became, we were cool in school, but um, about the age of 32, 30, 32, he and I reconnected and mm-hmm. have been tight as shit ever since. To yeah. the point where I had reached a point in my life where I thought some things were going really wrong, he was the only person that was there for me at that time. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but anyway, he told me before that me being able to do this show and do an hour of just me, he was like, I don't see how you do it. No, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, well, wait, I shouldn't say it's hard because I love to talk. Just wait. Make sure you get you a bag of chips and a popcorn or something when you go to listen to that. Just that oh, minute and a half of oh, the awkwardness. Okay, and good. you can see exactly why I would <laughs> probably never have well, my own podcast. Let me like, say this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me say this before I go back and listen to it. Apologies for putting you on the spot like that, but no, yeah, it's I not a something. I heard something, and like I said, because my my neighbors, my my neighbors have been doing this for three four weeks now, and it's not every day, but it's happened throughout the last three four weeks, and I'm, you know, like I said, it spikes my anxiety. I'm tired of this shit. I want out of this place, but I'm not in a position right now to get out of here, and especially yeah. because of the way the fucking economy is right now. Oh, I know. So it's like I, I, I'm mad because I feel like I'm trapped. So I mean, have you have you complained, Karen? <laughs> I I did I did turn into Karen today. Excuse hey, me, I did I, turn. I, in... I, I, I am okay at being a Karen sometimes. I'm just saying. Well, today I got to that level. I was still. I think I was still respectful, but I did call the. I started to call the. Uh, what's it called? The. Um, Courtesy officer. Yeah, I started to call the courtesy offer. Offer started to call the courtesy officer, but then I I just like eh, let's just call the the front office. So I called the front office and left a a voicemail because it was after hours. I'm like, look, this keeps happening, and we have a noise ordinance within our lease agreements, and like this shit's getting out of control. Can we do something about this? But yeah, I just I've got to get well, out of see, here. And that that's where we're upset, and that's what I said in the in the moment of silence because you <laughs> said, you know, you, you, like you, there's a lack of communication, and then there's the opposite, and I think that's me. I over communicate, uh, way way sometimes too much. Uh, but I'm I'm more confrontational. So in that situation. Like, I would have probably already knocked on the door and been like, yo, you know, no, y'all got here's your... The, here's the thing, though. Not to cut you off. 
Not uh-huh. to cut you off, but here's the here's the thing. They weren't inside. They were outside. My son was ready no. to go down there and tell them, shut the fuck no, up yeah, and go yeah. inside. I would, be, I would be the one to open the door and yell. I, like, I don't think. I'm in <laughs> my, my son works at McDonald's, and he works at a dangerous one. I could, you know, around here, we, you know, it's not the best. And I dropped him off the other morning, and the manager, she's a, a short lady. She would not get out of the car. And she said that there was a car that was, it, he was hovering behind the bushes between the McDonald's and there's a hotel next to it and he wasn't in either parking lot and she said he was there the day before and he stayed there until it got light and so she didn't feel comfortable so she started to call the police well I don't know but I got out of my car with my phone and went up to him and started videotaping him and then just being all loud and obnoxious and I mean like <laughs> not even thinking in that moment he could have pulled out his phone but I was my baby was there I don't care if he's 23 my baby mm-hmm. was standing there. Not today, sir. You're not robbing us today. You're not coming up in here today. You know, so <laughs> I immediately got out of my van at, you know, six o'clock in the morning when it's dark with my phone, like a Karen, and went over there, started snapping pictures and videotaping him <laughs> after pulled off, you know, like very confrontational, too confrontational. So I do have, you know, I'm, you know, I would have already told those neighbors. Like because they're disrupting my peace, and I'm not letting anything disrupt my peace anymore. I'll be yeah, nice about it. Like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I can hear you guys. And then if it continues, I'm gonna be like, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Go in your car and argue. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, you I know? mean, because here's here's me as an individual. If I was with someone dating, married, or whatever, if we're having a disagreement, I don't get, I don't want the whole fucking world to hear. <laughs> yeah, but some people that get so emotional, you don't even think about anybody else in that moment. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'm too thoughtful, but no, um, because I was I was that way too. Like I, it was my husband. You know, I would never argue. Like if he did or said something in front of other people, even friends, his friends, I would never say anything. Now after the fact, like you know, as we're sitting in bed later, I may be like, "Yo, what you said in front of Joe and the boys was not cool." you know, whatever, but I would never belittle him in front of his friends or anything like right. that. You know, that's a, a level of respect, you, you know, or whatever. But, you know, I'd have no problem letting, my thing is I, I always let people know how I'm feeling or what I, what I, what I'm thinking or whatever. I try to verbalize it all the time because mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't want people to wonder or assume. So, Usually, I'll just be like, no, this is what I think. This is what's going on in my head. You know, are you upset? Yes, I'm upset. This is why. I'll be over it in a couple of days, but yes. You know, I just try to be straight up. Since you know. since my divorce, I've had the pleasure of dealing with two individuals, two ladies who have been um, very blunt and upfront with me about things. Mm-hmm. And I've... Here, here's the wild thing, Linda. I found myself like attracted to what I term as alpha females. Mm-hmm. Not so much that I want to be ran as a man. It has nothing to do with that. And like, fuck the gender roles anyway. But yeah, it, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with I want to know where I stand, what you clearly, what you want and expect from me 
not some vague shit. And well, we, I think also that with the alpha female again, there's the I believe I'm alpha 100%. Uh, but you you can be an alpha female and still allow your man to be the man of the house. Right. Do you know what I mean? Even though I'm an alpha, that doesn't mean, oh, I run my man. That, no. That just means I'm a strong woman. I, I'm, I'm strong. I'm verbal. I'm strong-willed. Um, if you piss me off, I'm not going to sit there with my arms crossed and go, nothing, nothing, nothing. If you ask me what's wrong, I'm going to tell you. I'm probably going to tell you before you have to ask me. You know what I mean? I'm going to say, yeah. whoa, hold on. Don't speak to me. You're pissing me off or, you know you're making me jealous or, you know, whatever I'm feeling, I'm just going to say it. Let me tell you um, once, up, once so, upon a time, I was told not to worry about buying a mother's day gift. Those were the literal words mm -hmm. told to me. So I didn't buy anything. Then the individual got mad at me because I didn't get mm -hmm. anything. I've done <laughs> that. I, like, I don't have I'm, time for that shit you know, now. You know what I, I mean? mean I've Look, honestly, and, you know, female listeners are going to come at me, and that's fine, but I kind of think that's a female thing. I really do. I do that. I've done it. Uh, you know, I have said, I don't care about flowers. They die. So, Melinda never gets flowers, and I'm freaking tired of it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no, I don't want to be bombarded. It's not a requirement. I don't expect flowers. You know, that type of thing. You know, when I'm with someone, I was always like, Let's do our anniversary. I don't, let's don't do birthdays and Christmas. Let's save that for the kids. You know what I mean? Spend our money on that. We'll celebrate our anniversary. That's when we'll celebrate us, you know, and, right. and get each other something that's a little more pricey because, you know, money-wise, I was never super well off or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just – but there are times where we'll say things like that. Like, it doesn't matter. And it, it doesn't, but then on the other hand, it's like, uh, it would have been nice. But I'm guilty, and I mean, you're going to laugh, but I'm going to be honest. I'm so guilty, I can think of one particular example of me getting so pissed off and losing my shit because no one helps me fold clothes, okay? No mm -hmm. one ever folds clothes. So I'm losing my shit about how no one folds clothes. And then, you know, I, I forget who pointed, which one of my genius children pointed it out. Um, <laughs> but they offer, and I say no, and it's true, because they don't fold them right. right. <laughs> you see? So they don't fold towels how I want them to fold them, so I don't let them fold them. But then I turn around and bitch about how no one helps me fold towels. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the fuck am I doing? But no, I, I, let, I recognize that. Well, let me say this about that. I'm learning through my therapy um, expectations, right? Mm, that yeah. I treat people a certain way and I expect certain people to treat me, treat me a certain way. But the reality is that that person isn't me. Yeah. So while you, you maintain some standards as to what you will accept and what you will not accept, we have to be honest with ourselves that I'm not saying expectations are wrong because you would expect me as your friend to respect you. Right. Yeah. And 
that's a that's a understandable expectation. But in instances of say I was at your house and you're folding clothes and you're like in your head, you're going, why is it this motherfucker asking me, to, you know, do I need help? Why is he offering to help? That's an unhealthy expectation because we're projecting how we feel. We expect the other person to understand how we feel, but we haven't expressed that to them. That was a very hard thing for me to understand. Me but too. I, uh, I, I, I finally he... got it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I mean, it's, it's tough, man, because. Well, and, and oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to say, through my therapy, I also learned, uh, that's why I was like, uh, when you mentioned it, my number one, I don't know what, problem, issue, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, battle, <laughs> is unreasonable expectations. Oh, God. I got, remind oh. me, when you're done with your point, to tell you something that yeah. relates no, to just, that. That's one of my biggest uh, downfalls that I bring on myself is the unreasonable expectations. Like you were talking about, there are general expectations that are expected. Like you are a friend of mine. So I have a different set of expectations for you than I would for a gentleman that I'm dating or involved mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, such as I don't, you don't have to talk to me every day. You know, you don't have to text me. You don't have to, you know, you can say, Hey, how you doing? Whenever you want to. But if we're in a relationship, I don't want to go three days without hearing from you. Right. I mean, you know, it's okay. We don't have to talk all the time, but a hello. You know what I mean? There's a different set of expectations. So I think there's normal expectations, like you said, honesty, you know, uh, respect, uh, consideration. You know, there's just certain things that I think any person expects out of a, another partner. Uh, but we have a habit of, placing unreasonable expectations well some of us like me and like you said where they're you know i give this way so i expect you to give that way mm -hmm. and when what? you don't give in the same way i'm upset or i'm devastated or i'm hurt you know or whatever what i ran into with my ex and I'm not trying to talk shit about her, but one thing I ran into with my ex is I was told that I never gave her her fairy tale ending. Mm -hmm. My response uh, to that is that's ridiculous from the get go because there is no such thing. Agreed, one hundred percent agreed. <laughs> I said, "What, what does what that you make even mean?" <laughs> that's Okay. And, 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 and that goes back to what I was saying about how we feel about love. Love is the term. What is love? You know what I mean? And, and I know that sounds so cynical or so whatever, but love is, people may not like to admit this, but love is whatever two people have entered into an agreement to accept that's love. Yeah. Because I've been in a situation where I've been able to express love for a person, but not necessarily be in love with that person and not necessarily that's, have a relationship with that person. Yeah. There's definitely different, different, uh, I can't even speak now, different levels 
mm-hmm. and how you love people for sure. Yeah. And I can, you know, I can love someone romantically and not be in love. There, you know what I mean? Like be interested in them to that certain point, but not actually cross over that point. I've actually done that in a relationship in my last divorce where I didn't allow myself to fall for that person because I didn't trust them enough to mm-hmm. give myself completely. So I held back um, and I loved them. You know, like I wanted to to see where it would go and, you know, all of that. But there was that, eh, you know, that wouldn't allow me to just, because when I, when I fall, I give completely. It's just like surrender. You know what I mean? So I was just like, eh, and I was right about it. So, you know, it hurt a little bit, but not much because I didn't allow myself to get to that point. All right. And and doubling back to when I was talking about, um, how in the previous episode, I was the only one to defend open relationships. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I that I don't respect tra- quote unquote traditional relationships, right? That's right. not to say I don't understand what each person may need. But I'm just saying that if a person and their partner or in agreement to what they want. And again, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of beating a death horse, dead horse here. It's just love. Again, love is defined by two individuals who are in agreement on where they are. Um, yeah. And I think it's even bigger than that because like, you know, with the last podcast, that was such a big discussion and it was, you know, such, so much time talked about, you know, your feelings compared to, and, and like I said, I get, I get where you're coming from. I get where everyone is coming from, but I think mm-hmm. that's different. It's bigger than that because you say, oh, well, you know, open marriage and it's such a big topic that it's so controversial. People are going on and on about it, but it's even bigger than that because it's, that shouldn't even, that conversation shouldn't even be happening unless you're the husband and wife in that relationship and you've been betrayed and you need to have that conversation. Absolutely. Like, why, why am I having that conversation about someone else's relationship? Why, <laughs> true, you know, true. Why do, you, why do you have to defend someone else's beliefs? Or, you know what I mean? That's them. Now, I believe it's because you're open-minded like me. You're like, to each his own. Whatever works for you, that's, that's mm-hmm. you. You know, and you support people being happy and making their choices in healthy ways, if that works for them. And I do too. But I, I feel like a lot of the times we get so focused on the little things like, oh, well, an open relationship or, you know, a gay relationship or whatever, instead of just blanket the whole thing and kind of just be like, why don't everybody mind their own business? <laughs> exactly. It, at the end of the day, yes, you're right. <laughs> yes. But what and I, I love them. And she's in her 60s, but I have to tell her a lot, you know, like, you need to, you're part of the problem that you're complaining about. You know what I mean? Because you're talking Mm -hmm. about it. You're still talking about it. You're not productively discussing it. You're just talking about it. And and what I'm about to say, I've said this before tonight, but this will lead into a whole nother podcast. It also depends on 
how you were raised. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean a, a person can't deviate from where their parents taught them, the church taught them, or whatever, but you have to understand that not everybody believes as XYZ. So other people yeah. are going to be open to different things. And at the end of the day, after everything is said and done, doesn't matter how you were raised, what faith you're in, what, whatever, it comes down to communication. Exactly. I tell people all the time, they want to know what happened in my marriage for it to fall apart. At the end of the day, there were several factors. I'll go yeah. on record as saying my ex-wife and I should have never dated. I don't hate her. I don't wish ill on her, but we were not healthy for one another. Yeah. And there's nothing and, wrong with that. You know, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, and so I tell people at the end of the day, what it comes down to is we did not communicate. I didn't communicate that I felt whatever in certain situations. She didn't communicate that she felt whatever in certain, in, in certain situations. So at the end of the day, it comes down to open, honest communication. And that is where the conversation I had with you the other day comes into play. Yeah. Before, I never would have had that, that conversation. Because I was afraid of that conversation because I was afraid of hurting Melinda's feelings. I was afraid yeah. of how Melinda may react. And completely negating the fact that I may be 100% misreading the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not exactly. even giving you an opportunity to say, whoa, buddy, hold up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, even... The victory I take from that is that I spoke up and said, here's this, that, and third. Exactly. And, and I was able to, to get your reply and, okay, now we're on the same page. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You and know what I mean? Versus. Was completely resolved very quickly yeah. because you communicated. Instead of not communicating and then being in your head for days, and oh, <laughs> you, know, you, you went ahead and said, you know, was just like, hey, you know, this is on my mind. This is what's going on. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, cool, you know. Uh, but that's where communication comes in. Yeah, because, exactly. you know, especially when you are texting too, you know, um, because when you're texting, we're not used to that. We grew up where, you know, you call people, whatever. But now we're texting people, and I'm very sarcastic. I'm a smart ass. Um, you know, anyone that knows me would not be shocked that I would be on a podcast about trauma to begin with. This is the one that they would expect. Trauma. Uh, <laughs> so exactly. You know, so, I mean, I'm a jokester. I cut up, you know. That, but you don't really get that in the text. You just mm -hmm. get the words. So it can be difficult at times. Yeah, the, you the know. context, so, context yeah, a lot of the times is lost. Yeah. What, what do you mean by this? You know, and then it's super easy. And I'm very proud of you for saying that because 
since we have talked, I knew that that was difficult for you. Yeah. And the fact that you did that and that you felt comfortable enough to be like, I feel cool enough with her that I can just say what's on my mind and not no. be fearful because she, we have talked about me also being alpha and I'm very, I can come off very aggressive um, just in talking and, you know, even just get my, I'm passionate in my point and, you know, everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very proud that you, you know, thought for a moment, I really don't want to do this, but I'm just going to do it because, you know, Melinda's my friend and, and you know, that and, made and, me and feel honestly, like I was, at least I was important enough because you could have just been like, you know, I don't care enough to find out what she meant by that, you know? Exactly. And that's what I didn't want to do is what was done to me. One of the ways yeah. I try to live my life, and people think I'm bullshitting about this, but I'm deadly serious. I try to treat people the way I would want to be treated. Yeah, and I know how. Yeah, I know how I felt when I was ghosted, especially at the point I was in my life and the point that I'd opened up to this person and the just a whole host of different other things. One day I'll discuss that today is not the day, but yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to ask the question. Is yeah. this, this, and if it's not this cool, if it is this, then let's discuss that. Exactly. You know, and, 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 and that's adult shit. Yeah. You but know, I think it I, also come across with, you know, I, I can tell, in knowing you that you're the type of person that no matter what I can be forthcoming and honest with you and you'll respect me and listen to me and then respond. And you've learned that about me. Unfortunately, we don't get so lucky in life with people, <laughs> but you know, that shouldn't deter you from continuing to speak up for yourself. Right. And, and you feel it necessary, no matter um, what the other person how they, they may react to that. Yeah, you can't and, worry about And going into, like, I've never been officially diagnosed with adult autism disorder. Mm -hmm. However, I was provided some information to look into and say out of 10 boxes on that, mm -hmm. on that spectrum, I check off 10 of 10. Let's just say that. Yeah. And I yeah, also understand being an in, being an intelligent individual, reading what's been what's been reported. I also understand that it's difficult to um, diagnose an adult. Yeah. Um, so everything I've read has been like, you know, as far as di official diagnosis goes, that comes down to if you really want it. Um, but I will say all of the characteristics, I check every one of those boxes. And when that was revealed to me, it answered so many of the questions exactly. that I had about my life. Exactly. I'm very just, big. I'm very big. Say what? I said it's like it puts the some of the pieces together. Absolutely. Because that's what I was about to say. I'm very big on the why. 
why am I like this? Why do I do this? Why do I think this? And when I started to research things and learn, actually learn, there's another book that I'm listening to on Audible that is about, excuse me, that is about adult autism spectrum. It helps me understand and answer some of those whys for me. Yeah. And, and, and that helps me more than anybody could ever understand because I'm big on the why. Why did Melinda do this? Why did Melinda do yeah. that? Yeah. Why did Ryan do I, this? Why does Ryan do that? I have a question mark tattooed on my back because it's, it's not just a question mark, but it's like a design, but I liked it. And the reason why I got it is because I have so many whys. Mm-hmm. That, that I know will never be answered, and so that's why I got that tattoo. So I yeah. feel you on that. What I, what I, on the, the the way I've explained things about how I view life. <laughs> this is going to sound kind of weird, but it's like this. Or it's either going to sound weird or extremely narcissistic. <laughs> but well, you know, like, I'll be honest to tell you the truth. So let me have it. It's like I'm standing back, not just the shit that we're talking about, but the in like the issues that are going on all across the U.S. right now. People bickering about, you know, certain shit, political, everything. whatever. Yeah, everything. Every, it's yeah, like everything. I'm standing back and I see the answer. It's so fucking simple. I just want to tell people shut the fuck up and listen. And the way I relate that to people is kind of like taking apart the radio to see how it works and putting it back together again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird, man, because I, I, I'm going to say something that I don't think I've ever said on this podcast before. I feel like I was, and <laughs> this is really weird. I'm hesitating to say it, but I feel like that I was born out of era because I would love to sit down with the great philosophers and just go over the shit that we see in life. And it's just... I don't think that's weird. I mean, I've always felt like I was had a connection to different eras myself. I don't know if that's a normal thing or you and I are just two completely freako weirdos. I guess you're really fucked up individuals. <laughs> but like, I feel a connection. Of course, like the seventies. The there's there's some weird thing there, and then like seventeen hundreds for some reason, and I don't know why. But it's just like I am obsessed and comfortable watching and reading books about that time, that era. It's just mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very strange. It's it's wild how like wide ranging this, this episode has become. Do you realize the second half of this fucking podcast as of right now, we're, we're an hour and 15 minutes into this and we've covered so much. That well, I, I mean, there's, I mean, I, there's a lot that we could talk about. I yeah. Mean, so much. Yeah. And, and it's like, and, and circling all the way back to trauma, Mm-hmm. that's what makes me ask 
so many questions because I, I don't understand why I was told to shut up. I don't yeah. understand why I was told to be quiet. I don't understand why I was encouraged to well, suppress my because our you know, our parents at that time, you know, they were raised a certain way, and you know, it trickles down, and then it's up to us to change it. You know, my okay. mom was a little more open, but you have to remember, my mom. Now, when I was in high school, my mom was in her forties. I mean, well, thirties actually. She was mm-hmm. only twenty years old, nineteen years older than me. So she was on the younger side. So she, you know, graduated 74 in the 70s where they were a little bit more, you know, hey, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but like my aunt and my uncles that are older than her, they're, they have a completely different outlook about things. Their children were raised completely different than we were. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know. The influences could be part of it, but, you know, she wanted to make sure that she raised us in a way that she wasn't. And then I do the same, you know, I try to raise my children in some of the similar ways that I agree with, but some of the right ways that I don't agree with how I was raised, I change. Yeah. I, I, and and I know? agree with that because the, the, the main thing for me is my son's happiness. As long as yeah. how he's living. And, and I mean, like, living in general, living in terms of relationships or what have you, as long as how he's living is legal and it's not hurting anyone, I want him to be happy. Exactly. I don't, and I'm, I don't give a shit if he agrees with how I do things or wouldn't do things or feels the same, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't give yeah. a shit about that. I want him to be happy. And I think that's something that people from my generation, your generation didn't get. We were expected to toe a line that was preset for us. Exactly. And when we we didn't meet those expectations, we felt like we failed. Yeah. And there's something, in my opinion, at least, there's something to be said about that. We felt like we failed. And when you had an anxiety, let me say, and with you having anxiety and not realizing you had anxiety, that pressure that was put on you, manifested by the pressure you already put on yourself, must have been super difficult as a child. Absolutely. I didn't have to deal with that pressure. I put pressure on myself somewhat, but I didn't deal with that pressure from my mom. My mom always expected us to do our best, but she didn't expect perfect. So, yeah, you know, we were whatever. But I did put pressure on myself that I, you know, caused myself anxiety over. So I know that you did the same. And if you were already feeling pressure, you know, from your parents to be a certain way, and then, you know, when before they've even started on you, you're already on yourself. I can imagine that's super difficult to deal with. Yeah, as and a young that's, child. that's how I was. Like, um, Yeah, and see, that my- is traumatic within itself without people, you know, people say traumatic, they think it has to be just devastatingly traumatic and it's not Mm -hmm. it traumatic can be something as simple as what you're saying that that can be traumatic at at some point i will feel comfortable with sharing something that was life-altering for me within my life right now Mm -hmm. i'm not at that point 
but I will say that traditionally I was, when I left the city of Atlanta schools, I was a straight A student. When I got to Palmetto, I became like a C and B student. Mm-hmm. And there's several things at play there. One of the things at play is a switch from one curriculum to the other. That's a given. Yeah. The other part is how I was feeling. Nobody ever asked me how I was feeling. Yeah. And that's something that I think is missed. And that to be be 100% honest, I think a lot of today's society shits on the fact that we say, hey, six-year-old, how are you feeling? Because they think that six-year-olds don't have fucking feelings. They're people. They're just smaller and younger. But they're still people. They still have human emotions, human thoughts. You know, it upsets I mean, a tantrum where you're pitching a fit for no reason, okay. But, you know, my daughter has anxiety. She's eight. I know she has anxiety. She even knows it. She told me the other day, I need to talk to a therapist. Okay, that freaked me out. But, you know, I mean, she has anxiety where she gets worked up. She, you know, it it, it just, it baffles me the way that people would look at her and go, well, she's eight. Why would she? What, what would she have to have anxiety about? Exactly, and 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 uh, not to necessarily stop you right there, but that right there is a huge point. I think that is a huge problem in what we're dealing with. It's like you said, your daughter's eight, right? Your youngest, eight. Okay, yep, eight eight years old. What do you have to complain about? But yeah, that's that's fucked up because. Though she all may you do not is un- sing and dance all day, huh? you know. All yeah. you do is sing and dance and play with Barbies. Yeah, right. No, my daughter worries about me dying. My daughter, you know, worries about, you know, when she says goodbye to her dad on the weekend when she's with her dad, if she's going to see him again. My daughter, wow. you know, she's eight. She shouldn't have to worry about that. But unfortunately. My one of my best friends died a few years ago, and she had to deal with that. And so that she, you know, she internalized that. So, yeah, she's eight, and people wouldn't think she would have anything to worry about. But, you know, and I feel like, I, you know, I'm an okay mom. I'm not perfect. But there are children that grow up in households where they're being flat-out abused. Mm-hmm. So you, there's a lot to worry about. Let, you know, me, no, not every eight-year-old, you know, might have something to worry about. There's plenty of eight-year-olds that I'm, I'm sure are carefree, but there's plenty of eight-year-olds that aren't, and we need to, you know, we need to acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, and that's that's one of the things I struggle with when talking about my personal um, trauma. Um, mm-hmm. I got a tattoo years ago that is it's spelled warrior but the i in warrior is spelled with an apostrophe and for those of you listening that doesn't know what this what the apostrophe represents is suicide it 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 represents that instead of putting a period at the end of that sentence 
I put an apostrophe and I continued on. Mm -hmm. Well, the building I work in houses not just my my business, but it also houses the U.S. Marshals. <laughs> and nice. I found myself one day in the bathroom washing my hands and I saw like the W.A.R. of my of my tattoo. And I was like, you know, how shitty is that of you to consider yourself a warrior? that's normally how I would beat myself up. I had to catch myself and remind myself that the tattoo I have on me is mm -hmm. a different type of warrior, different type of fight. Yeah. And I think that's a, I don't want to say a problem, but I think that's a struggle that mm -hmm. a lot of people our age have is that we feel like if we admit that we're struggling, that we're a failure. Yeah. I'm not a and and I'm I'm saying this now with the benefit of um, therapy, but I'm not a failure. I'm just re reaffirming some of the ways I felt. Yeah, and it's just I. I Man, I don't know. No, I don't know. I feel weird saying this shit. <laughs> well, no, because once you become self-aware and you start growing your self-awareness, it is fascinating, devastating. It's all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it, it really is. But the fact that you are growing in your self-awareness is a victory in itself. Because I feel like most people, that's their problem. They're not self-aware. They want to be aware about everybody else instead of being self-aware. And if people like kind of turned it inward and, and focused on what they could do instead of what everyone else should do, then, you know, maybe there wouldn't be so many problems. I mean, there'd still be issues, but I don't feel like it would be uh, maybe as bad. Yeah, I, you know? I agree. I, I think that, but, that by default, we live in an imperfect society. Yeah. But I think because we um, we refuse to acknowledge the mental aspect of what we deal with day to day, we miss out on so much. And okay. that's why I say today, I think in today's time is what I mean, is that we're we're much more apt to address situations like that I see so many of my friends um I, I don't know if you've noticed but I've taken an active absence from social media right now part mm -hmm. of that is because my own sanity I felt like I was spending too much time on the um on social media sites but mm -hmm. I see a lot of my people posting shit like you know, like I said earlier, that when I was this age, we learned blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Dude, so much shit has changed from, let's see, I was born in 75, let's just say to 85, at 10 years old. So much shit has changed from 85 to 2022 mm -hmm. that I absolutely understand why these kids are fucking confused. Yeah. Because parents aren't talking to them they're just expecting them to react 
They don't know how to fucking react. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm uh, going to go. We, that's where we as parents come in. And, I mean, I feel like you and I are doing good. I can't speak for anyone else. I mean, I'm going to pat myself on the back. And, you know, you too. But I feel like, you know, we come from the generation, you know, where we are start. you know, we started seeing that evolution of the mental illness and mm-hmm. being more open about sexuality, uh, you know, uh, interracial dating, uh, mental illness, you know, we came from where we kind of started that and saw that and, you know, where it was becoming a little more acceptable during our time, you know, a tiny bit here and there. And then as it's gone on, it's been, you know, a little more so, not like it should, but, you know. Uh, but we look at our children and we're like, I want to raise a good human mm-hmm. that, you know, can raise other good humans. And so, you know, we have to be able to be open, uh, talk to our children, listen to them, try to limit their trauma. I can limit what I do, but my trauma came from my father, not my mother. You know what I mean? So I can limit what I do for my children, but I can't limit their trauma from other people. And the older two, they have trauma because they're old enough to have their, their own relationships, friendships, etc. Um, so all I can do is try to limit the amount of trauma they receive from me. If that makes yeah. sense. And then be there, be there for them, of course, when they go through any other trauma. But, you know, as parents, well, as a child, we got some our trauma early on from our parents. So as a parent now, we try to make sure our children do not have any trauma. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that's one of the things that, that our generation struggles with, especially people like myself and you and other people that I know personally who have children around the same age. Mm-hmm. We want them to not have any trauma. Yeah. But the reality is that they do. Yeah. Um, whether oh, we no, intended or... Yeah. 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 Whether we intended to or not. Say what? I said, and from us, like my, of course, my cheating, um, they didn't have to know about it, but of course their dad told them. So it affected them. Uh, You know, it affected the way my daughter looked at me because she lived with her dad and her dad was telling her this stuff about me. And, you know, unfortunately she did believe it. Now, we've worked all that out, but she's a kid. You know, like, of course, I don't have any. I'm worried about how she, the guilt she feels now. You know what I mean? That's what I'm concerned with. Like, don't feel guilty. But she yeah. feels guilt because she feels she, guilt because he made her think of me a certain type of way. And so she thought of me that way. And now that she knows that's not true, there's guilt. And, and I don't think that's fair for her to carry that at all. Agreed. Yeah. And, and and I think so, that's something. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, so, you know, that's me trying to kind of stop that trauma, uh, from, you know, that, that he put there. However, I, you know, I mean, there's nothing else I can do aside from be there for her. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Now, that sucks as a parent to understand that, but that's all you can do. And we can revisit the issue of cheating 
and the reasons behind it at a different time. Um, yeah, we're, I'm just we're, saying we're, it, it, we're, caused we're, it did cause trauma, though. Yeah, we're 130, yeah. 100. We're an hour and 31 minutes into the second half of this, so I kind of want to wrap it up. But yeah. there is, it's, and here's the thing that I run into. It's, it's not that I seek to excuse the cheating, but I understand why it happened. And yeah. I understand that at many occasions that were similar, I, I, at least in my experience, I noticed that a lot of us are still in our early to mid twenties when that happens. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from fucking Im- immaturity. Yeah. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad spouse. It doesn't make you blah, blah, blah. It just means that you made a decision at that moment. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll yeah, get into that at a different time because that's a different, yeah, like that's a deep conversation for me personally. That's a deep yeah. conversation. Um, yeah, it's, and it is for me too because, I mean, just for a teaser or a spoiler, for, you know, but I have also, um, you know, in my third marriage was mistreated like I was mm-hmm. a cheater. Because I cheated in my first marriage, even though I never cheated. Like, I would never cheat anymore. Like, learn, lesson learned, you know. But yeah. it was so hard for him to believe that because the once a cheater, always a cheater thing. And it was yeah. so difficult that, that not only did he think I was doing it, but he treated me as such. So, that yeah, that's a whole nother, a whole nother thing. But yeah, it because I think there's... You know, because I think there's so that. much more that goes into that than just it's it's easy to write it off as just cheating. Yeah. But there's a whole lot that goes into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. So understood. But we're 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 at one hour thirty three minutes in the second half of this shit. Um, we went up to like forty five minutes in the first half. So what I would well, like to do right now is allow you say five, 10 minutes, or however long you want to actually, um, just to kind of summarize um, what we talked about today, how you feel, or anything you would like to say to the audience right now. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I appreciate you inviting me on and, and allowing me to, to babble. I have a lot, you know, I have a lot of opinions, <laughs> you know, um, but I don't know. I mean, I just appreciate having a platform where you could just discuss things. I mean, it's sort of like you and I just having a regular conversation, um, mm-hmm. but there are other people that are allowed to listen to it and possibly, you know, give their perspective at some point in time, because I know, you know, most people would reach out to you and then you would let me know if they had anything to say to me. Um, but I guess the main thing I wanted to get across is um, about trauma is we all in some way or form, I think, have trauma. It, it may not be, you know, the levels, I guess, doesn't matter. If, you, if, if, you're, go, if you're a child and you go through any level of trauma, um, you carry it with you. We don't know how to cope as children. You mm-hmm. know, we carry it with us. And, you know, it can affect our choices. Um, and then as we go on, we, we can create our own trauma. Other people can create trauma. You know, it, it goes on. But the, the big thing I'm about is not continuing 
you know, the things that we recognize that traumatize us, let's not do to our children or to other people, you know, be kind and, and stop just continuing to hurt each other because yes. it's really, you know, we hurt because it's the people closest to us. If, if, if I don't care about you, you're not going to hurt me. That's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. Um, so just people need to take a step back and look at the people they care about and how they're treating them and how they're impacting their lives. And, you know, maybe take a look at that and be a little more considerate of people because, you yeah. know, the way you speak to someone one time, one phrase, one statement can stay with someone and really, you know, be a wound, a really bad wound mm -hmm. forever, you know? So, and it's, you know, you yeah, can't take I, it back. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and in my closing thoughts, what I would like to say is that, whew, man, there's so much to say, actually. Um, I think that in our early to mid, hell, all of our 20s, that we we rely on this, this vision that we have of love and marriage and what it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to be, that we don't consider anything outside of that. The reality is, in my opinion, is that we're still children throughout most of our 20s because at 18 you leave high school and for the people that go into college at what 19 20 21 22 23 or 24 you're you're leaving college mm -hmm. and it's not to say that you don't have any life experience between high school and and let's just say college graduation but the real life application doesn't start until we understand certain things. So I, I think we need to redefine what we see as love. And that's not to say that how we see love is the wrong way, but it's just what we press upon younger generations. Think about it. We asked six, seven-year-old boys and girls about boyfriend and girlfriend. So we're already setting an example, a standard, what have you, at that young. So they go from six, seven for the rest of their lives thinking this is how it's supposed to be. Those of us who have been through that situation, whether the marriage was successful, not, or whatever, we know that that may or may not be the reality. And we just don't need to put so much pressure on our young adults. Allow them to fuck up a little bit in their 20s. Allow them to experience life a little bit in their 20s. If person X and person you know, Z want to get together in their 20s and get married, that's fine. But we shouldn't hold that as the standard. Yeah. So at the end Agreed. of everything, at the end of everything, <laughs> I, I think we just need to take a step back and slow down a little bit. Stop 
because things I, you were born in 75 correct yep yeah okay things aren't the same in 2022 as they were in 1975 no they're not the same as they were in 1995 what are you talking about absolutely (laughs) they're not the same at all i mean (laughs) yeah 100 percent agree so i think that we as parents at our age need to learn how to adjust now there's a whole other podcast to be had about what that entails but at the end of the day, folks, I just want to say that folks from our generation, I was born in 75, Melinda was born in 75, folks from our generation seem to have a lot of trauma on them, either from how their parents expected them to turn out or things that happened to them. Mm-hmm. Neither neither one, I'm sorry to you parents out there, people from 75 on, none of that is realistic. I love you parents from 75 previous, but none of that is realistic. So at the end of the day, I, I, I just want to say, and I probably had a little too much to drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say that Speak to your kids on an individual basis. Take them at what they say and understand what they say and understand that your definition of love and relationship may not be theirs. In a nutshell, that's all I've got to say. Bravo. Thank you. I appreciate that. So with that being said, at one hour and 41 minutes and 47 seconds in the second half of this um, podcast episode. Melinda, I want to thank you for joining. Um, no problem. It is fun. It has been a pleasure to have you on. I did not expect this to go this long. That's not a complaint. I just didn't expect it. Um, so you're welcome back. As I tell other guests, you're welcome back anytime you want to come back, whether it's to be something serious or something just bullshitting that's fine with me too so um i appreciate say what i said i appreciate it you're very welcome so ladies and gentlemen that's it for this episode of wrestling with my thoughts it's rather long but i hope you enjoyed what you heard because a lot of it has been very very candid um from a very, very real place in both mine and Melinda's place, or, or lives, rather. So um, just take a listen and consider what we've got to say. Melinda, is there anything you would like to say before we wrap up the episode? No, I'm good. All right, then. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for taking your time and listening to this episode. Thank you for taking Uh, you know, time out of your busy schedules to listen. And until next week, everybody, take care of yourselves. And remember, find somebody that you don't know and just do something nice for them. Don't expect anything in return. Just do something fucking nice for them. 
that's how I think we make this world better one step at a time. So until next week, everybody, take care of yourself, your families, and one another.